Okay, I know that it is a new dawn, it is a new day, it is a new year of 20 and 24, but forgive me here, we've not recorded the show since Christmas, so I've had some some Christmas things on my mind here, so I just want to dip into the holidays one last time before we move on here, okay? Okay. I'm sick and tired (laughs) of pretending like there isn't an anti-Santa and that it isn't the Jolly Green Giant, okay? I'm sick and tired of not talking about this. Oh, Okay. No, I, I can see they do have they share a, a, a catchphrase. Mm, okay, do they? Because Santa says "ho ho ho," the Jolly Green Giant, the inversion of this. Oh, oh he says oh oh, "oh oh oh." He does. I always thought it was "ho ho ho." No, right. it's the exact inverse. Wow. Of that. Okay. Okay. It gets deeper. Are you all ready? Right, Put on your foil it. hats. Get ready for this. All right, I'm ready. <laughs> Santa Claus, we all know, dresses in red. Jolly Green Giant, the exact opposite on the color wheel, all in green. Okay, okay, yeah, all right. Santa, he's a thick boy. Mm-hmm. Jolly Green Giant, he's yeah. fit. Tall and fit, yeah, you're right, okay. Santa loves the kids, brings them presents. Mm-hmm. Jolly Green Giant fucking hates children because he makes them eat canned vegetables. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. He's the anti-Santa. You're right. I can't. Clear as day. You know what? I can't disagree with you. I just never thought about it before. That son of a bitch. There so he like he's the one who's making kids eat Brussels sprouts. Yuck in the 80s. Ew, not cool. It's the 80s and they're gross. <laughs> what a son of a bitch. Get out yep. of here, man. Exactly, man. So there we go. We got a Christ. We got an Antichrist. We got a Santa. We got an anti Santa. <laughs> and we got ourselves a brand new installment of Dead and Lovely, the podcast of all podcasts. Here with your host at the most, it's me, your good buddy, Uncle Ben. And me, Hollywood Steve. And on today's episode, we are getting down and dirty talking about a punty, punty, punty pool. Punty mm-hmm. pool. Punty, punty pool. pool. Punty pool. Panty pool. Punty pool. Mm, 2008 mm-hmm. is when this John was manufactured. And we're going to get into this flick right here. And uh, if you want to skip on to the part where we use our words to conjure up images in your mind <laughs> about this movie, yeah. uh, there's a timestamp for you in the podcast yeah. description. But before we do that, we're going to shoot the shit, catch up a little bit. It's been... Uh, it's been a little while since we recorded here. Thankfully, we were recording ahead a little bit there yeah. because it has just been a whirlwind yeah. of holiday madness, has it not? It has. We had we had uh, a Christmas and a, and a New Year's since the last time we recorded. My God. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'll tell you what, we didn't do anything. It was great. Like we just that had sounds incredible. A, a Christmas. We I made dinner. We watched movies. And then on on New Year's, we just uh, drank some champagne and watched movies. We didn't do anything. It was great. I didn't know that you were legally allowed to do that. You I can. thought you had you to can. occupy every single minute of every single day with something during the holidays. I thought I was <laughs> like going to get punished by law if I didn't fulfill that agreement. Yeah, that's exactly what I did. How'd that go for you? <laughs> Badly, very badly. Yeah. Can't yeah. lie, can't lie. It yeah. was just a whirlwind of way too much fucking shit. Okay, just for reference, we're recording this on what January second. Yeah, mm-hmm. I haven't played guitar through an amp since December twentieth. Whoa! And that's even like at that, the thing that you was do. For, yeah, that's the thing that I do. Uh-huh. Uh, and even at that, I was doing that for somebody else's video I was in. Wow! Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. It has been way too much. I know, I know, I know I do this every year where I act surprised about how busy things were. <laughs> yes. I know that I do. Yeah. This was like above and beyond. Yeah, you know, with level. losing Oma and stuff yeah. at the first of the month, it really pushed the entire holiday season back into being a month's mm-hmm. worth of stuff in like a week. Yeah. Um, and there was kind of nothing we could have done about that, honestly. So well, it was what it was. Kate and I made it through it and uh, we, we did the thing. That's so great. here great. we are on the other side of it. I'm so excited to be getting back to normal life because uh, my normal life is awesome and yeah. <laughs> I know it very much. That's a yeah, good perspective cool. to have uh-huh. on things. It is. We it had is. a uh, yeah. chill New Year's too. We went up to uh, a cabin with some friends awesome. and actually just had a really chill, very calm, very relaxing, extremely lazy time. That's so, great. That is that was perfect great. New Year's. You don't need to be out and about and doing all this Gross. and that. That's, that's when people get in car accidents and ruin somebody's entire year, you know? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to do that. I ain't got no interest in that. So I wash dishes at midnight. Whoa! <laughs> Madness. That is pretty mad, I'll tell you yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But we, we drank a lot of beers and champagnes and wines, and we had lots of great food. We played lots of spades and nerds. Uh, and German rummy. Fun. We had ourselves a really good time. I've really gotten into spades, man. You ever played fun. that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh-huh. Fuck, Very fun. I love that game, yep. man. It's so fun. So we at least had ourselves a good relaxing New Year's, and now we're just kind of getting back in the uh, in the groove of things here. I've got a very busy schedule coming up here soon with Shiprocked and all that approaching, doing uh-huh. that big old yeah. cruise gig that I do yearly. Uh, but for now, I'm just enjoying getting back into the groove of things. Woo! You're back, back in the cruise ship groove. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. You got a you got a, a New Year's revolution. <laughs> I do have a New Year's revolution. Eat the fucking rich. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sick, dude. You got it because of the protein, right? It's good lean protein on the rich. Ah, uh, yeah, probably. I mean, honestly, mm. a lot of them are just alcoholic, so. I don't know how good they're going to taste, but we'll find mm, out. Um, yeah, that's true. It may sour the meat. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, as far as resolutions, no. I have decided uh, I am anti-resolution as the current trajectory of everything I'm doing is correct, I feel Hell like. yeah. Yeah. I, Why I, bother? I wish I had more time to do things, but I can't make that happen. So I'm, gonna, I'm not going to push myself and stress myself when I think... I'm doing as much as I can. So hmm. this year, I'm going to be comfortable with doing my best effort and then relaxing. That's okay, it. So let me translate for you. Yeah. Your New Year's resolution is to keep on keeping on. Yeah. All right? It literally is to keep on keeping on. Like keep on the course. Like I currently, uh, you know, <laughs> there's certainly some some life issues such as needing to move and needing money and not having money and not having a place to move. But uh, th- those things uh, are things that I am working towards fixing. And everything else that I'm doing in my life is is me doing exactly what I need to be doing. So I'm, I'm just not going to stress myself because life is stressful. And uh, I, don't, I don't need extra. Like me being like, I'm going to read 40 books this year. Like, no, I'm not. I'm not. I, I might try, but I'm not. Well, for one, all you need is one, and it's called the B-I-B-L-E. That's right. That's the one book uh-huh. you ought to read this year, son. And really, it's a good deal, because inside the Bible, a lot of other books. You really, mm-hmm. you, buy, you buy one, you get like 50. Exactly right. Sweet. And 
every town in America at least has a free uh, weekly book club about it that never ends. <laughs> it's always about the same book. It's called Church. <laughs> You can read the book and attend that. Yeah. It's in entertainment. <laughs> that sounds great. This sounds yeah, it great. Does, doesn't it? Yeah, it sounds great. What about you? Man, uh, I think that my, my biggest things, I'm, I'm going to continue my work that I started about halfway through last year on this solo album project. I hope yeah. by this time next year I have I have that done and completed. And, uh, and lesson courses. That's one of those things I've been pushing off pushing off pushing off yeah. uh, trying to wait until the right time the right technology the right vision whatever yeah when in reality there's there's so much information i could have been putting out for years now if i would have just pulled the trigger and done it so uh that is a huge priority for me is getting some purchasable lesson courses up and Hell for sale yeah. and also i think guiding my youtube channel in a more creative minded direction you know i've really pushed a lot of a lot of technical boundaries uh-huh. on my YouTube channel with a lot of exercises and techniques and technical stuff and all that. But the last thing I want to do is to make a generation of people who are really good at playing scales but don't know how to write songs, you know, because what's the point? So I've got some ideas for some more creatively minded, yeah, songwriting-based projects, creative projects that I want to implement into my channel and see how that goes. Well, that's awesome. I mean, I we're uh, just been planning some stuff for legacy of brutality i'm really excited for what we got coming out over there this year too so i, I guess i guess i do have resolutions <laughs> I, I mean I, are they just plans i don't know yeah that's you what know? i'm guessing you're right a, a real resolution is a plan like when you say you're gonna do this like i'm gonna lose 20 pounds or whatever it's like I resolve uh, yeah like I don't know. I'm planning on uh, 12 good episodes of Legacy Brutality coming out this year. We just had one come out, uh, in fact, yesterday um, uh, on Lon Chaney that Anna took the helm of and really, like, just killed it. Like, she, Lon Chaney, very mysterious, like, not well-known, especially his personal life. Uh, and she, she definitely made it very interesting, I'll tell you that. Word, 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 word. Yeah. I'd say beyond that... I want to continue, you know, working with my my workaholic tendencies that yeah. I've really tried to try to get better with this year and, and made strides with, but want to continue getting better with uh, my work and life balance. Continue yeah. with like doing doing therapy and stuff like I have, which has been great, has yeah. been a huge help. So just uh, yeah, continue trying to be a better version of myself. That's awesome, man. But you know what? I just recently read a great quote by the amazing David Lee Roth. You want to hear it? Yeah, let's hear it. The problem with self-improvement is knowing when to quit. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's I, true. I mean, you know what? He's right. <laughs> yeah. I think Diamond Dave had it nailed, man. Yeah, he, he did. Uh, he, you know, he got a lot of things right. Like cocaine. It's fun. Tons of it. Split yeah. kicks? Fucking sick. Rad. Gonna make a rock show yeah. better. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sword play? All right. Yeah, all right. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, good stuff. Hopefully, everybody out there had a good holiday and a, uh, a good new year and is geared up for some fun through 20 and 24. One thing that I resolved to do is watch some more goddamn movies and TV shows because I've not watched shit, man. Like, oh, we had, really? <laughs> dude, we had one day to ourselves. Yeah. It was the day after Christmas. Kate and I's usual hole up and do nothing by ourselves day. Yeah. And we watched a Rogue One and okay. the first Star War. Now, okay. I mean the first one they they put out, which is uh, 
is a, a new hope. Is a new what it's hope. Called. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. The Star Wars hope. Is okay. What it's called. Well, we they, watch those two back to back, which is a great thing to do. I I was gonna say I've never I've never done that, and that does. Oh. Seem- it's a good idea, right? It's a good okay. idea, man. Martha Stewart in the 90s would say, it's a good thing. <laughs> and she's right. <laughs> she, she's fucking right. She did for a while have that Freddy Krueger period where she just said bitch mm-hmm. at the... Yeah, yeah uh. that was in like the extreme, like the ECW period. Of <laughs> that was Stewart, before you know? she went to prison. When yeah. she was just yes. like, I'll never get caught for tax evasion. <laughs> man, a real roughneck. Real yeah. roughneck, that Martha Stewart. So we watched those two back to back, which was uh, obviously a great thing to do. I'm going to continue watching through that Star War, and I think the only other thing that we watched was just earlier today, man. We watched that semi-new Bob's Burgers episode that's like the zombie documentary. Yes, it's so good. Fuck, it's yeah. so good, yeah. man. It yeah. blew my mind. I loved it. I loved that they they found a creative way to do a zombie episode where yeah. they're like, what? how could we put these characters in a zombie movie? Well, it's a, it's a project and Tina's filming a documentary mm-hmm. that turns into a zombie movie. Yeah. It's fantastic. It's that really cool. fucking rules. Great man. episode. Just great. Yeah. Yeah. Totally good. What we, have you been watching? We did have time to watch uh, some things. In fact, I have a list here in front of me that Anna wrote down and it, it's 31 movies. Fuck me. We watched 31 movies since the last time we recorded. I've watched 31 movies this year. Well, listen, uh, Anna is she that that it's just movie after movie. She's she watched like 2,000 movies last year somehow. Um, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> she's a badass. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not. I, I'm not gonna be able to talk about all these, and I was gonna hold some back because we're gonna record again sometime soon. But honestly, I'll I'll just name them, and there's a few that are worth talking about, and I'll I'll, I'll get to them. But uh, yeah, we finished up the Home Alone movies and did did the Home Alone uh, Hell Rankers. Go check that out if you haven't already on the on the Patreon. Um, we also watched Elf, Bad Santa, Jingle All the Way, uh, Black Christmas 1974, Black Christmas 2019, uh, A Christmas Story, Every Christmas Has a Story, The Muppet mm. Christmas ter- Carol, Mickey's mm-hmm. Christmas Carol, Deck the Halls, and The Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special. That's a fun one, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So th- those are just ones I'm not even going to say. Jeez. Uh, Man, but- <laughs> there are so many Christmas movies we missed this year that we didn't get to watch. That's insane. Yeah. Well, and, and the thing is, we, you know, we just had some of these on at times. Some we, I watched entirely. I definitely didn't pay attention to Deck the Halls. <laughs> that, hmm. that movie's so weird. Matthew Broderick and Danny DeVito. Just such a strange film. Um, huh. But a movie you suggested christmas with the campbells yes you watched it yeah and it was great I had a blast yes so funny isn't it bizarre it's a weird one yeah it's a, a vince vaughn was a producer on it apparently yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah how about I, dustin long in that how much did you love him he was great yeah it, it really was it was just so, uh, britney snow and justin long both just really good it was really funny uh yeah i enjoyed it uh very <laughs> i liked the little weird nods every once in a while there were some really odd little elements thrown in that uh, just yeah it, it kept me interested and still felt like a hallmark movie in a lot yes. of ways yeah dude i loved every time justin would open up the door to his old pickup truck that dog would jump in there and be like oh go on get back in the house now every single time uh-huh. every time yeah 
It's so good. It Dude, is. Seriously, like, everybody needs to watch that movie next holiday season. It's so fantastic. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I honestly probably will watch it again next year because it, it really was fun. Um, also, uh, Adult Swim Yule Log, which hmm. is one that's been in the, uh, the Smoke and Bowl for a while because Colin put it in there. And I think they watched it uh, one night over on, on the Discord uh when when anna and i were busy but uh finally got around to watching adult swim yule log and it is so cool like it's Hmm. it's you know not a yule log you know what i mean like it's not Mm -hmm. but it kind of it starts out like that but then it becomes a movie uh and it's very odd very strange interesting horror movie i highly suggest it I, i had a lot of fun with it awesome yeah um, so yeah, th- those are the Christmas movies. Then we've also been catching up on the Marvel stuff. So we watched mm. from Spider-Man No Way Home to uh, Quantumania. So, oh, wow. Yeah. Damn. Was yeah. there any gold in there? Because there's a lot of those I've missed. I, I mean, Multiverse of Madness is is so good. Um, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, I thought Love and Thunder was good. I, 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 I don't get a lot of the critiques i do People understand hated it dude yeah i do understand the critiques of the visuals because the yeah. current phase of marvel is and this is Sheep. i i think honestly i'm i'm not even mad at it but i'm mad at what it means it looks like spy kids it looks like yes. spy kids and like early like or, or like the the prequel star wars movies mm-hmm. um yep and if they were doing that intentionally and the movies weren't like a hundred million dollar budgets, I'd be like, oh, cool. That's fun. That's comic booky. I'm cool with that. That's fine. Fair. But yeah. no. <laughs> they're just Yeah, but they are. <laughs> they're just not giving artists time to make it good. So that sucks. Um, yeah. but I thought Christian Bale I loved Christian Bale's performance. I, oh, I was I very his into that. Was yeah. Awesome, man. The look of that was really cool and I just I enjoyed that it was like a, a one off. Just yeah. a standalone yeah. story that you don't have to watch the other movies to like or watch yeah. the movies around it to enjoy. I had a good time with it. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Uh also we're as I said, we're talking about uh western horror movies over there on on uh, legacy brutality this month so we just watched curse of the undead from 1959 mm. which is oh it's good I, I very much enjoyed it i mean it's not like blow your mind good but it, i was surprised by just just how good it was and then billy the kid versus dracula which uh, okay. is not good but is well worth a watch <laughs> What the fuck? Yeah, uh, and also we watched uh, the Rawhide Terror, which is from 1934, I believe. Which is, I I think I'm still working on it, but I think the first Western film with horror elements. But not wow. positive on that. Still uh, have a little more research to do. And we watched a movie called The Burrowers from 2008, which is cool and and definitely worth a watch. Nice. Uh, and. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just finish up finally with uh, we got uh, Gunpowder Milkshake, which is okay, good cast, hmm. not amazing, okay. not a standout for sure. Um, and then uh, Confess Fletch, uh, good cast, oh, yeah, what's that all about? and yeah. a standout, fucking a blast. John Hamm, Marsha Gay Harden are great. They're so funny totally together. Good. Like yeah. yeah. Uh, really good and uh, uh, we watched Knives Out and Glass Onion and I think that might become a Christmas tradition they're so good dude they're just really fun yeah yes totally agree I'd watch those again anytime and we started the Lord of the Rings movies last night so (laughs) dude 
I'll tell you how busy I was. I didn't make it through the trilogy one time. No, not even once. No, no, no. What? Not even once. You get a do-over. I think January, like the first two weeks of January, get to be your Christmas. (laughs) I hope so. Yeah. You know, like last year, I think I watched through them like six times or something insane. This year, nothing. I got cold for Christmas. Yeah. Well, you know what? Maybe, maybe that was the universe's way of saying maybe you got too much of a good thing. Maybe I did. Mm-hmm. Maybe I used it all up. Could used be. it all up. <laughs> Damn it. Damn. Anyway, yeah. So that that was it. Thirty one movies we we watched. It's a bumper crop right there. Yeah. Wow. Anyway. Damn man alive. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, hopefully we get some uh, some good stuff to watch here coming up through twenty twenty four. There's a few good things coming out in theaters. Maxine. I want to see. Maxine, dude, yeah. I'm so stoked about. I'm, I'm really dying to go see that uh, Godzilla minus one. I keep hearing. Yeah, that's me incredible. too. Yeah, I really want to see that. Yeah, so hopefully we get a chance to go see some new stuff, maybe pump some uh, midi sodes out or something about that here on the show. We'll see about it. We'll see about it. Well, Steve, I'll tell you one thing that I watched this week. It was a dang old ponty pool. Yeah, me too. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about it sometime. How about we talk about Uh this? Well, hang on now. Hang on. Let's not get too hasty. Oh. We got to make a detour in the preview palace first. Welcome to the preview palace. (laughs) Preview preview palace. Now, this here movie is a movie what is real tense and intense. Yes. You might as well be camping your intense so much. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's so... You might as well be camping. It's like Bonnaroo. It's intense. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes. Intense. <laughs> Indeed. Now, the thing about it is, though, there's not really that much happening. Did you ever see a part in this where somebody did an explosion i didn't no no i did not see somebody do an explosion but we saw the effects of explosions and heard explosions yeah yeah. how many kung fu kicks did you count in this very few there's a whole lot of tension without a whole lot going on that is a really odd specifically unique thing that you see in this flick and just a few other movies that i can think of ones where we don't necessarily have all that much happening on screen, but good Lord, is it ever tense. Some of these movies, yeah. you know, that, that attempt this, they can mm-hmm. get so dreadfully fucking boring because you're like, sure. nothing is happening. Yeah, yeah. But then there's a handful that can just scare the shit out of you or keep you on the edge of your seat, even uh-huh. though nothing really is going on. And that's what I want to talk about is some of our hottest picks. Let me give you an example okay. of a movie what shook me to my core, Steve, Let's my core, it. my very core was shaken. It was not stirred. It was more like a James Bond martini. It right. was when I watched this movie, what just looked like an innocuous fucking lifetime TV documentary about a girl. What went missing round the parts of Lake Mungo. Oh, Okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we got we got this mockumentary style where we're being told about things, but we're not seeing the action. Yeah, where it's it's very low key most of the time, but then it, when it hits, you're so tense in the moments when it hits, it hits really well. It's just a feeling of dread. Yeah, that's something mm-hmm. that I think a lot of these movies that we're going to name have in common is yes. that yeah. It's almost like tantric horror, where it's just <laughs> build up, you know? Yeah, yeah. Sting loves the, tantric horror. That's his thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's kind of his thing, for yeah. sure. 
You know, these movies are all about the just impending dread, the sense that something terrible is going to happen, which yeah. is definitely a huge part of Lake Mungo. We did yes. that on the show a year or two ago, right? Yeah, I think it's a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. I still have not met anybody who has seen it. Really? Not one person. I recommend well, it to everybody. I'm like, watch yeah. this fucking movie and get back to me, barista. <laughs> it's 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 on Shutter, I believe. So, yeah, I think so it's definitely if you have if you're listening now and you have not watched Lake Mungo, go watch Lake Mungo, please. My God, dude. Yeah, I'm not going to spoil anything about it because it should just yeah. wash over you. Uh, it should. You know unexpected like mm-hmm. it is truly truly fucked up but yeah that's that's a weird one not necessarily any action mm-hmm. or gore or anything right? in it yeah. god damn man what's mm-hmm. one that comes to mind for you uh well uh ryan reynolds in a little movie called buried dude that was one that i remember watching with my buddy brandon uh-huh. and he sold it to me as like yeah a guy gets buried and the whole thing's in the coffin yep and i'm like brandon this sounds fucking stupid uh-huh <laughs> but it's <laughs> super tense super it's really tense good. yeah, yeah it is, yeah man. and i don't i don't want to ruin that for you if you haven't seen it because that that is one that definitely deserves to to be seen without knowing going in what what is going to happen because it the tension is it's it is heavy like boy i'll tell you what and I, as a person who you know just <laughs> does not want to be buried alive it was an absolute fear of mine as a child oh, come on you know you do a you little know bit you do. a little bit because i did see kill bill and then mythbusters uh tried to see if you could potentially do that and they found that yes maybe so really? i was like hmm, i don't know mine might be built different okay i'm okay well maybe <laughs> But yeah, so uh, yeah, I, I, for me, buried uh, another though that uh, not not a horror movie, but a, a definite thriller. One hundred and twenty-seven hours. Oh my god, dude! Talk about a movie that is just a fucking nightmare scenario. This old yeah. boy just getting his dang old arm caught under a rock. Now I here's the thing, I I don't go climbing or anything or canyoning that like it's he was doing. It's a silly thing to do. It's a and silly that's, thing. Yeah, that's just kind of like, it was one of those things where like, I, I when 127 Hours came out, I lived, one of my roommates climbed. And before 127 Hours, I was like, I watched climbing videos with him and stuff. I was like, oh, that kind of looks fun or whatever. And it's like, did a little bit of climbing. I was like, this is pretty cool. And then I watched 127 hours and it was like, okay, so this is just like a don't go out and do this alone ever type of thing. I'm just going to avoid. I'm just going to avoid it. I'm just going to avoid ever, ever being in that situation. My God, dude, you are not kidding. Yeah, that movie, if I ever had any inspiration to go climb and be an outdoorsman yeah that movie done squashed it <laughs> yeah if you need absolutely. me i'll be inside you know with my arms fully mobile you 100 no rocks inside not I'm a waving single rock. right now i'm waving them you know why because i don't have a dang old boulder rest you don't have arm. to worry about it yeah <laughs> dude that movie you know it, it really is just about a guy with his arm pinned under a rock and his flashbacks yeah. are kind of telling you how he got there uh-huh and then it kind of shows, because it is based on a true story, Yeah, how he got away from it. Ugh. Which Holy is brutal. fucking shit. Brutal. I mean, one of the most, like, scarring moments I've ever watched in a yeah. movie. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. That pop. That pop. Oh, that's what I'm talking about, yeah. dude. Like, Mm-mm. ugh. I don't need oh my that God, in my man. life. 
Mm-mm. Yeah. As somebody who needs both of their hands <laughs> yeah. pretty frequently. You know what? I, I'd like to talk to the people who are out there who are like, I don't need both of my hands because I, I find them very useful for day-to-day tasks. Could be. Yeah. You know? Thing just gets in the way, they say. <laughs> not me. Not nope, me. I need both of them. So. Yeah, there's not exactly bombastic car chases or anything no, in that movie. No. But God damn, is that ever tense. Even it though, is. I mean, most of it is a guy who is immobile. Yeah, yeah, he's not he's not going anywhere. And that's the tension is like just, oh my God. Like you put yourself in that Oof. place and it's just like, oh, there's no, like it, it's, it's that just terrible feeling of absolute freedom being like, impinged entirely like he he's out in the middle of nowhere he's got the freedom to do whatever he wants except he can't move his arm is caught between a boulder and a canyon wall like yeah it's it's a perfect setup for for that amount of tension without any need for heavy action lot of mercy man one thing i'm noticing about a lot of these movies that ended up on this um i don't know what you'd call this sort of vibe we're talking about just dread kinda, list i don't know yeah yeah maybe like yeah like uh yeah dread <laughs> dread horror yeah i'm noticing a lot of these take place in the majority for like in one centralized location yes you know they're not yeah. bouncing around scene to scene place to place in a flick yeah. a lot of these just take place in one location like a uh, perennial favorite of the show the house of the devil that's oh, one yeah. of the first ones mm-hmm. i thought about because yeah. like there's so much of that movie where nothing is happening at yeah. all yeah and and if you're you know from the protagonist standpoint there's you don't know there's anything to fear but as a viewer we keep seeing that there is something to fear but yeah it's it's still not act, like there's not action really going on yeah it's already like you're seeing the result of action that happened i guess before the movie started and yeah it's yeah it it gets super intense at the end but again it's not intense in that like heavy action sense it's again like that uh being yeah prevented from leaving being prevented from moving from this one spot Oh, yeah. I think something that really enhances that vibe that we're talking about is when we know that the central character that we care about is in danger and they don't. They don't know, yeah. Uh-huh. That's such a good, effective feeling for a movie whenever it pulls it off the right way and it's not just cheap, you know? Yeah, yeah, I would agree. That movie, you know she's in danger the whole time. Not really a lot going on, but goddamn, is it ever tense. I love it, man. Um, one that really blew my mind, because it is for the majority of it, pretty slow paced and not really that much happens other than some logging, some log jamming. Uh, (laughs) The best alien abduction movie ever made, Fire in the Sky. Yes, okay. Holy moly, dude. The first time that I watched that and it got to that alien abduction scene, which is kind of the only part of the movie that i remember honestly yes, i just remember the there's a lot of like part yeah the, yeah because it's shocking it it's is very so shocking. Fucking shocking yeah. actually like one of the like horror special effects pages that i follow on instagram just put that up in their feed the other day mm-hmm. and i like i watched it and i was like i need to like take a bath yeah. i need to walk and uh-huh. take a bath at the same time yeah you know <laughs> i need a mobile bath to make me feel better <laughs> from watching this <laughs> yeah. If you see me walking around in my water barrel sometime, <laughs> that's why. I just watched a fire in the sky. I love that idea, though. The mobile yeah. water barrel mobile that barrel. you just yeah. constantly bathe in. 
<laughs> There's like not much happened in that movie, but God damn, dude, does it ever keep you tense the entire time? Yeah, absolutely. It does. And, and those, you know, as you said, it's like not showing a lot of violence, but the stuff it sh- shows is scarring. God, damn. Yeah. Absolutely, man. Yeah, the Wicker Man is kind of that way, too. Yeah, In one it location, is. it's all on that little old island. Uh-huh. And there's not necessarily tons of action through that movie no. until the end when until it the end. falls yeah. off the fucking rails, right? Right. Yeah, and it lures you in, too. Like, you know it's weird. You know there's mysterious stuff happening, but you don't know, like, who's, you know to blame for anything and also yeah it's just an investigation largely so stuff that's happening is weird but it's not like heavy action or anything Mm -mm, it's not till the end where it all comes together and you realize like oh (laughs) oh he's about to get burnt up in this wicker man (laughs) the whole movie just keeps you going what the fuck is going on here yeah what's uh happening yeah And, and i love that man that's it's a very particular vibe that movie has and uh, that also kind of spills into one last one here that you pointed out that we had covered on the show a little while back, right? Mm-hmm. A little pellicula by the name of a honeymoon. Yeah, honeymoon. Yeah, the 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 Lee Janik movie. Um, boy, that's one of those movies that just just like we're talking about, like stuff happens, but it's like low key. You see some dangers in the background from time to time, but you never really know what it is. Yeah. Uh, and, and even the ending, like you're not really exactly sure what's happening because you're not seeing a lot. It's all kind of centrally located in this this cabin, though there's you know some other stuff around, but it all feels so remote and isolated. Uh, and yeah, it, it really just relies on tension throughout. Yeah, it does, man. Not exactly showing you a lot of what's happening, but just making you feel the effects and feel the impending danger that's going on with the situation. And, dude, that is something that this movie, I I think, does second to none. Oh, absolutely. This this fucking movie we're talking about today, Pontypool from 2008, it is one of the most unique movies I have ever seen, and it is also one of the movies that I think given any less of a degree of skill and quality Uh in the writing, in the direction, in the acting acting choices, Mm -hmm. in the sound design, Mm -hmm. this could have easily been one of the most boring fucking movies ever. Oh, for sure. Yeah, but it, it, boy, it, it all just comes together for me and all of those things you just said just hit exactly right where yeah i can't look away it is it's so compelling and especially you know uh as you said the sound design and stephen mccaddy's performance are two of the most like just uh compelling things about this movie yeah yeah dude like i i totally get when People tell me they watched this movie and they didn't like the ending or they, they liked it up until it got to the end. That's a common complaint with this flick, and I understand that. But one thing I could not understand is if somebody told me they turned this off halfway through. I don't know how you could. I don't know how you could yeah. start this movie and not want to know what the fuck is going on. It is so oddly compelling. Mm-hmm. And totally cut off from where any of the action 
is actually happening like how how would you give this is like the elevator pitch for this movie because to me it's like it's sort of a war of the worlds style thing Yeah, that's the big inspiration yeah Mm -hmm. right yeah It's, it's happening from outside of this radio station and the people in the radio station have no clue what's actually going on out there uh-huh. but it sounds real bad like even me pitching that idea that sounds like a horrible fucking movie well and their their original idea was that little vocal visualizer you see at the beginning when he's telling the story wave, about yeah. honey the cat would have been the entire visual element of the movie it would have been just told like a radio play and it was adapted into a radio play for the cbc so totally makes sense and yeah i i wish i had had time to listen to it because i guarantee it's great it's 52 minutes and and uh the the radio element of this is done so perfectly like this again the sound design Uh, oh yeah but, but then when like they move from like the studio into like other parts of the building and you're still hearing some of the radio in the background and then whatever else is going on in the foreground like there the way that the sound design just keeps you in location throughout it does yes it's so good you know how far away they are from the loudspeaker outside the doors you know how far away they are from the sound booth yeah, yeah. It's interesting. The acoustic design really does play into the the George Graffy of the location, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, it does, and it and it makes it makes every scene work because, as you said, there's not a lot of action in this. No, dude. It's like just reporting. How much of this is people sitting in chairs and talking? Literally, just <laughs> Most of people it, yeah. sitting down and yeah. talking into microphones, doing like what we're fucking doing right now. Yeah, in absolutely. Our homes. Yeah. Only it's gripping. Not uh-huh. that this isn't, obviously. <laughs> Can you imagine if if somehow, like, while we were recording this, I just started reporting, like, huh, and it just keeps repeating a word. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Weird, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just, th- this movie has no right being as tense as it is, considering no, uh, that yeah. it is all people sitting down and talking. I well, don't know how you make that as good as it is. Like, yeah. I don't understand it. Yeah, and that that does come down to good direction and and good performances and good sound design. But the thing that's keeping us guessing and interested the whole time is this script by Tony Burgess uh, adapting his own novel, uh, Pontypool Changes Everything. Hmm. The script's really good. The fact that people are having some trouble fully following the story kind of fits perfectly with what the entire movie is is working in uh the area of deconstruction of language and meaning and things like that so the 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 movie story seems to be from my watching of it i've i've seen it probably six times now it is a story of a man who is a shock jock who inadvertently through his deconstruction of language releases a auditory virus that is conveyed through language and that infects this whole region where he his voice is is hearable on the radio and then the military comes in speaking french because the french language is not infected and they they kill everyone in in town that's it that's the story that's right? pretty much it pretty yeah. simple story right so 
I would not think there's any way to turn that into an hour and 30 something minutes of good watching. I would not think that was possible. Right. Yeah. I would think that, that yeah, that it, it would be complicated. So since it's going to be entirely driven by uh, talking, because this is talk radio we're trying to show, you got to have an amazing script. The yeah. stuff being said has to be compelling and interesting. And so what this script does really well is I, there's not really exposition. Nobody knows what's happening. Even when the doctor comes in and starts explaining his theory, there's no reason for us to believe that he is absolutely correct. No, huh? Yeah. So there's there's no real exposition, but the movie still teaches us who these characters are through interactions. We learn that, um, you know, uh, Grant Mazzy obviously did something to get fired from his shock jock radio job in Toronto, and now he has to take this job in a podunk town called Pontypool that's uh, about an hour northeast of Toronto. And mm-hmm. uh, to, I, I just wanted to give you some scale. That That's like uh, if you... Uh, in Knoxville were just told like you gotta leave Knoxville no more guitaring for you and you oh, had no. to move to Bean Station Tennessee oh boy man I'd yeah. be the Bean Station sensation I tell you this <laughs> 100% you'd be the Bean Station sensation and I feel like that needs to be a rebranding thing you think about doing but probably yeah I should consider that I should consider that but yeah, it's 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 a, a a person who is used to a whole lot of attention and influence being put into this small area where interestingly enough, uh their their communication style is different than what he's used to. And I, I I'm talking about it this way because I want to talk about how I think that this is is about how insular communication styles can create a zombie language that means Hmm. nothing essentially interesting yeah 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 so like you have this town that is full of secrets and we get those secrets revealed by you know grant essentially stepping on toes uh he's coming in he you know uh proposes that maybe the cops are drunk in this uh you know ice hut uh, fishing standoff thing yeah yeah uh, and then he finds out off air that in fact they are alcoholics and he shouldn't talk about it uh he's asking ken loney about the chopper and about his safety he finds out off air well ken loney actually isn't in a chopper we all just right. kind of pretend totally that he is uh, uh. <laughs> about ken loney later we learn he's a pedophile or everybody in town thinks he is but yeah. they don't talk about that was a weird beat i was like what yeah <laughs> so this is a town oh uh, by the way you have a a family drop by in brown face being just horrendously offensive and, and meant to be so it's not supposed to be funny i don't think because like the, i don't think so yeah because no. grant is offended by it he's just like yeah. what the fuck are we doing um, he calls his old manager and he's like, "Listen to this shit." Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and so this is this is a very insular, conservative town that doesn't talk about any of these type of things, and it's considered well, hell, the, rude to talk about those type of things. The radio station he's in is the basement of an old church. Like, right, it doesn't get much more small town than that. Exactly, and in fact, I, I looked. And this is no shade on Pawnee Pool, but I looked up Pawnee Pool, their Wikipedia page. 
uh, it, it lists things in the town, and the fifth thing listed is a Chinese restaurant. And I hope that Chinese restaurant is good. I'm not. I'm not talking shit about small town Chinese restaurants. It's just interesting when your Wikipedia reflects that you have a Chinese restaurant. <laughs> mm, the big, big attraction for the town. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I think yeah, what, what we're dealing with here is a person with an extreme amount of influence, and people who aren't saying anything. So the, everything he's saying affects them in a new way and mm-hmm. changes the way they interact with each other. So mm, Yeah, and he's very much like a big city guy yeah. coming into this small town, right? Yes, exactly. And in fact, like, uh, you know, um, his Sydney uh, kind of confronts him about that. Like, what is it you think you are going to teach us? Like, mm-hmm. he's, he's kind of big dogging her a little bit and she kind of calls him out. But he he does then say that he wants to shake people up. He wants, yeah. and that's Take exactly no, no what, hostages or whatever he says, right? Yeah. And that's exactly what he does. Like the town is entirely shaken up by Grant Massey. So mm. success dude, there, <laughs> absolutely. So and that character of Grant Massey, dude, I gotta say they really they got the seesaw of his likability and unlikability yes. just right. Uh-huh. Like he is brazen and offensive yeah. and slamming scotch at 10 in the morning right. and <laughs> seems to be very cocky. You know, very, there's all these yeah. qualities about him that uh-huh. seem like very unlikable and bristly, but you never hate likeable. him so yeah. much. Yeah. yeah, you never hate him so much that right. you're just like, okay, cool, so when does he get eaten? I can't wait for him to die. Good. Right. Like if he was just a straight up alex jones talking right. about the gay frogs and stuff he's uh-huh. like i can't wait till he gets destroyed by the horde that he helped create i can't wait yeah but I, it doesn't get that way does it yeah I, I think that it it never getting that way uh works so well because you start to realize he he doesn't believe in anything he doesn't yeah. mean anything and that's why he's a virus he yes, has dude. no meaning. His words are meaningless. Um, and I, I just want to talk about this quote from uh, from the author of this, Tony Burgess, because it when he said it in an interview I was watching, it kind of blew my mind. But then I, when I watched it again, I was like, okay, I see what he's talking about. Um, he says, the zombie is really a metaphor for metaphors that keep haunting you long after they've been meaningful. God, man, that's fucking crazy. A metaphor for metaphors. Yes, so the zombie is a metaphor for metaphors in the sense that uh, every every word is a metaphor. Words are metaphors. They 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 have meaning in conjunction with one another, and they they that meaning is constantly changing and whatnot. They're only meaningful in relation to one another. Um, It's only meaningful if you understand it, which is exactly say a lot in this movie. Yeah, it's, it's, it's it's really just air being pushed out of your lungs and your tongue flapping around but yeah. that noise that you make is a symbol of an object that right. you're talking about and, and yeah and grant even says there in his final speech we were never making any sense and, he, and he's right we, uh, that's it that language is not it's not meaningful in and of itself it's meaningful right. in in context in conjunction it's meaning as metaphor and so in in that way meaning uh, is always changing and the word itself comes to represent something that it's not, which I've talked about before with the undead, that 
the undead are you know they're they're your your loved one but not you know like mm. you see the symbol there that is your loved one sure but the inside the meaning portion the center of it is gone has changed yeah, yeah. so in that way that that's kind of like what this movie is getting at that like his deconstruction of meaning in talking about the missing cat poster uh just blows their minds like mm-hmm. it, it creates something in them that they can't contain uh and and they don't refer to these as zombies um uh, bruce mcdaniel uh, bruce mcdonald sorry who directed this and uh, tony burgess who wrote this they're they're conversationalists is what they call them wow yeah they're spreaders they're they're yeah. talking they're conversating yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah so they're they're they go through the three stages where they start to repeat something then things start to lose all meaning and then they try to tear away the mouths of other people and it's very interesting what that would mean and say like connection with say things like fox news or, or donald trump or whatever the types of oh, yeah. people who like to take words or metaphors or symbols and things and recontextualize them in a way that takes away all meaning but helps to control those who are easily influenced yeah well you know if you want a good way to kind of contextualize this if some of that isn't making sense to somebody who's listening to this like think about how symbols have been recontextualized and changed in history yeah Uh, the swastika is the most obvious one perfect example yeah yeah it's something that has existed in several different cultures for a very long time yeah meant nothing to do with hitler (laughs) and the nazi (laughs) regime meant absolutely nothing but they Uh claimed that and perverted its meaning and completely yeah. changed it for itself. And it made such a such a scar. You know, you're kind of talking about that metaphor yeah. of a me- metaphor that lingers. Yes. Um, that metaphor that they made with the repurposing of the swastika lingers so much that even whenever you see pictures of these temples that were built thousands of years ago, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, uh-huh. and you see a swastika on it, you still go, ooh, ooh. Yeah. Yeah. And in reality, they had jack shit to do with that. 100% nothing to do with it. Yeah, but it, it's it's changed, and it's become this grotesque, undead thing that haunts us, and we yeah. can't leave behind. Uh, and, and that, it's interesting, and I know I've seen people, and you know, we got to talk about this because it's probably the most controversial element of this movie. I've seen people say, why the brown face? And, okay, sure. And you know what? One hundred percent, I completely understand what people say. If there's blackface or brownface, I don't want to watch it. It's yeah, sure. it's racism, and it is, and, and that's what they're portraying. They're portraying racist characters. But I think it's that, so over the top that you're not meant to look at that and go ho ho ho. Right, think that but even cool then, I I know some people just get no tolerance for it, and I get yeah, sure, that. sure, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in this case it's exactly what you're saying with the swastika the symbol they're wearing these particular clothes and have brown on their face that should uh, mean nothing of what's it lawrence of arabia right yeah they're doing yeah and those things should mean nothing but they do they mean something there's meaning behind them they're portraying a particular people but they are taking away the meaning and significance Mm. And it is it it 
takes away agency in that sense. Like by, by portraying a people as a stereotype, you essentially create this, again, zombie. You create this false uh, resemblance that means something completely different and is meant mm. to demean and is meant to harm. Yeah, um, yeah. And there's like no way you form. can, yeah, there's no way you can do it innocently. Like, that's the thing is you have like little kids doing it in this too, and there's nothing innocent about it. No one can look at that and say like, oh, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know, obviously these kids are being forced to do this by their family. I'm not saying these kids deserve to die or whatever. What I'm saying is the 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 actual portrayal is always going to harm, even mm-hmm. if uh, there's no intent there. And that, I think, is what why it's included in this film and why it's included in the script and why it means something. Though I also would say it's not necessary. Not necessary. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was a beat in the movie where I was like, what the fuck? And then I thought about what you were, you know, j- just saying as yeah. far as the symbolism yeah, uh, and the changed meaning and all that. And I can see it fitting in there, but it was still just such an odd beat yeah. in the movie. And again, I don't think it's meant to be ha-ha fun. No, I think not it's at meant all. to be like uncomfortable and be like, look yeah. how ass backwards this place is and how stupid and backwards these people are. That right. They're so insensitive and out of touch in yeah. 2008 that they are still doing this and it's so over the top that it's yeah Lawrence of Arabia but also Os- Osama bin Laden is there yes and it's it, it's it's got a through line that this movie has which is very much about the Iraq war and the propaganda around the Iraq war and Afghanistan and stuff like that um but it, it's for me, like I think exactly what you were just saying is it more reflects who these people are than makes a full statement. And which again, that then to me is like, well, you could have shown they were racist in another way. Like, you know what I yeah. mean? But yeah, yeah, make them downright despicable. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, but I, again, like uh, uh, I, I do understand what they're getting sure. at. Also, dude, like one more thing about that: they showed up in that costume for a radio show <laughs> not even a video like that's how stupid right. these people are yeah so like that's what like level of asshole they are like they, yes they're performing well, we their assholery for the people in the radio station they're like what yeah why <laughs> one of the messages that i gleaned a lot from this movie especially having watched it for a second time um because i just watched this one time like back in the mm. college days and yeah I remember just being blown away by it, but you know, I was able to pick up on a lot more meaning this time around. I think that there's a lot of commentary here on responsibility in the media. Yes. Responsibility for people who are Mm -hmm. in a place of influence, people with a podium. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of crazy that this, you know, Babe Ruth did so long ago in 2008. Yeah. Well, we were were on that route with, fox news and stuff like there's a springer and all yeah that, his yeah. final thought thing i mean it's kind of springery itself but it, it's also uh, seems to be mimicking a little bit of bill o'reilly's like clothes where he'd talk about like the the sun goes up the sun goes down the the yeah. tide goes in the tide goes out etc like they're they are definitely dealing with something that was relevant at this time but has mm-hmm. just fucking ramped in the past oh, 15 man. years dude i mean whenever you see this movie and then see the effects of 
all of Alex Jones's bullshit that yeah. he mm-hmm. did, you yeah. know, and is and is fucking getting his comeuppance for, you know, uh-huh. paying for it now, yeah. which mm-hmm. is excellent. Uh, seeing seeing what the words and rhetoric of the former president did in yeah. making people storm the fucking Capitol, yeah. among other things that happened. Not well, that he's the only politician that has ever inspired right. people to do Absolutely. bad things. That's just an easy example, <laughs> right, obviously. Right, yeah. Uh, I think that there's a lot of really clever framing of having to take responsibility for people in the media in this, where you have this guy who's just in a booth. He's in a soundproof booth, totally isolated from everything around him, uh-huh. talking out his ass, being inflammatory because it's entertainment, talking about whatever he wants to, saying abrasive-ass things, and... He never sees the effects of his words. He might hear from people calling in saying, hey, this happened because of what you said. He might hear explosions outside, but it's still not looking him in the face. He doesn't believe it's happening for a lot of this. Well, and yeah, I feel like that's about how halfway, a lot of these people have to feel. Yeah, yeah it's, it's about uh, halfway in that he does have that moment where he like, storms out and says they're fucking with him and stuff. And then that's when... A little bit after that, Laurel Ann starts to show symptoms. And then yes. he sees Laurel Ann, like, just smashing herself against the window, trying to get at them and stuff. Like, sees that, it from the other side of the booth, yeah. too, which I yeah. think is very obvious. You know, yeah. very obviously showing us that for a reason. Like yeah. He's and, seeing directly the results of his words. Right. And that changes his tact. Because he is, up to that point, like, well, let's make good radio, basically. Yeah, totally. We can capitalize on this. Uh, yeah, and at that point, it's like, oh, this is not about me. This is serious. This is real. And well, because it affected him now. Yeah, now now he is personally affected, and now he tries to fix it. And this is something interesting, I think, that the movie gets at with that, that you can inflame rhetoric to a point that you can't stop it. You yes. no longer have control of it. It is inflamed. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Wow, yeah, yeah. Man, and he, yeah, he's a, like trying really so hard there at the end with his speech, like stop killing people. And that's so interesting. I think like his speech turning to stop killing people is such an interesting thing because like it, it, it shows that he realizes that he has this power, but it also shows that that power to inflame doesn't, it doesn't have an equal uh, on the other side, you don't also then have the power to douse those flames just because you say so. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, you can you can again see it in the crazy fucking QAnon groups and all that. Yeah. Where <laughs> even when it, you know, somebody at the top of this says, "Oh, stop! I was just kidding." They're like, "He doesn't really mean that, though. He's just saying that." Like yeah. the rhetoric has uh-huh. taken such control of them that. Even the person that started the rhetoric can't control it anymore. You're exactly yeah. right. Yeah, and that that is the virus, right? Yeah, yeah. It, you've released it. You've released it, and now it has its effect, and it's going to affect some people more than it's going to affect others, and then those people are going to affect people, though. Like, you affect those people to become this way, and now they change the lives of those around them and we've seen this in the way that families have fallen apart due to fox news and donald trump and stuff like that where you just you have that member or members of your family who are living in 
an alternate reality where words don't mean anything or whatever, you yeah. know? Like They've it, been infected by the rhetoric virus. Yeah, and the more yeah. you keep them in your life, the more it affects you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, How like life this is, yeah. right? Yeah, it's 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 pretty prescient uh, in that sense, though. Again, as I said, Fox News was going hard by this point, so it, it is also just sort of reporting the way that things were going. And you already had shock jocks, of course, for a long time, uh, and and people like Rush Limbaugh, who you know, obviously, huge inspiration on Alex Jones there is, and mm-hmm. huge inspiration on Fox News in general. Oh yeah. Uh, so Absolutely. yeah, I, I think that like there's just so much setup to this point that w- we look at it now, <laughs> and there's another element we're going to talk about in a second that's just like so connected to our current uh, situation. But we no look kidding. at it now and see the effects of all that. So we see oh, yeah. like yeah, this is very very like true to that. That's but- the thing is like when I saw this the first time. You know, and, and there's this obvious message through here about how words have power, and it's like, uh-huh. what if words literally had power and could yeah. transmit this virus just through mm-hmm. speaking? I was like, yeah, that's kind of neat, whatever. And I watched this, I'd say it was probably around 2011, 2012, something like that, a couple uh-huh. of years after it came out. But then, like I said, after having lived through everything that we have for yeah. the past <laughs> 15 years, years yeah. boy, howdy, do I ever understand the power of words and rhetoric yeah. better than I did when I saw this the first time. That makes this movie so much scarier. <laughs> well, and it also is about a contagion that acts the way that viruses act, which is yep. to say some people are affected by it immediately and some people seem to be kind of immune to its effect. Um, but it's, it's that being told here are the ways to prevent it. And those just being too hard, like speaking French. Yeah. They essentially decide I'd rather die than speak French. (laughs) (laughs) It is a silly language. Let's be honest here. It is. It is. And that's the thing. Yes. You look silly when you're wearing a mask. Or when you're speaking French. But it's the thing that's going to save you, right? So yes. go for it. And yeah, honestly, it, out. it doesn't look that silly to wear a mask, especially after people have been doing it for so long. But yeah. I understand why that was like a, a, a thing to get over. Like, I've sure. never done this before. It's a new thing. But people just couldn't do it. And, and, and yeah. the same thing with this. There's some preventative measures they could take, but it's just too much. Too complicated for them. Exactly, man. Yes. There was so many moments in this that i had like weird 2020 flashbacks which is an odd thing to get from a movie that happened pre-pandemic yeah but when you know they tell them everybody here is quarantined you have to stay inside of the building and then you're just hearing about stuff that happened yeah you're not there on the streets of your own town seeing it happen yeah but you're hearing about it and it's Mm -hmm. like what the fuck is going on out there like that was such a vibe that I think all of us had, you know, February, March of 2020, right. whenever the mm-hmm. pandemic really started taking hold in the States. Yeah. And we started having more and more areas doing lockdowns. And you would just check Twitter. You'd hear the news. You'd hear a podcast. You'd, you know, do whatever other than actually see effects of things. You'd just be inside going, what the fuck is going on out there? <laughs> right. Yeah. You're hearing about people buying up all the toilet paper and, and whatnot. Yes, and it's like, dude. What is happening? Yeah. Uh-huh. Exactly, man. And boy, howdy, dude. It gave me some flashbacks, which is yeah. a, a mm-hmm. strange feeling, man. Strange feeling. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're right in the midst of the largest wave 
uh, possibly ever of COVID. So, Ooh. yeah, that's fun. That's fun. <laughs> yeah. Flashbacks to today. Flashbacks uh, to earlier today, maybe. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that those two things changed my viewing of this because the first time uh, i first couple times i watched this i really was getting like the deconstruction of language thing and like the ways in which like you know uh things only have meaning in relation to one another and how these uh, words are becoming meaningless and whatnot uh they they still convey a power despite their mm-hmm. meaninglessness and, and i i saw all that but now yeah in 2023 after having gone through a lot in in a similar vein this movie had a hold on me <laughs> like i could not look away from this each i watched it three times uh you know for the show and I, each time just i was 100% riveted. I have like five pages of notes. Just Jeez. everything was standing out to me as like so significant. So I, it, it, it is interesting that, that oh, dude. F- yeah. it, it seems so prescient. And the, the acting, the performances are so oh, convincing. It yes. just draws you right in. I mean, there's a total of like fucking five people in this movie. It is an <laughs> it's extremely yeah. small cast. Yeah. And, the performances, especially from Grant and Sydney, are so yeah. believable, man. Yeah. I mean, Grant being this hard-ass shock jock guy who at first is just kind of being an ass and then yeah. thinks he's being punked yeah, and then starts like really freaking out. And you right. can see the changes in his face. And you can yeah. see how his face and his voice change when he steps in front of the microphone because he's got to be his radio self but yeah. then off mic you can see him falling apart and being uh-huh. confused at situation like his his facial acting is so believable man yeah yeah and he's he's got he's got a perfect radio voice too so good man god damn man and i'll tell you too that whatever they're doing mic wise preamp wise eq wise the the fidelity mix of the uh, dialogue in this is utterly fantastic which of course for a movie about language if the audio mix was shit like so much stuff is now where you're like I can't right. watch this unless I have captions on uh, that would be a huge failure for this movie but the dialogue is captured beautifully the fidelity is fantastic yeah I, I would love if anybody uh, out there is a sound engineer and knows what they're doing and how I can do it because man it's, it sounds so perfect I, yeah. I think you know, Stephen McHattie, who plays Grant, great choice. He's in a couple movies we've done. Uh, mm. Mother and yeah. uh, Come to Daddy. Ooh, both parental. Oh, yeah, fucking Come <laughs> to Daddy, dude. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Huh. Um, and Lisa Huell, who plays Sidney Breyer, uh, he, uh, they're married in real life. Uh-oh. So, like, there, there's that obvious, like, chemistry between them, and that that, nice, that comes yeah. through. I um, also enjoyed Hrant Alianic, Alianic, the Dr. Mendez, who appears in possessor which which came out a, a few years ago he was the only one i thought was a little bit overacting at you think time. so some of his stuff but he was also like you know he, he was almost like mad genius trying to figure this thing out that's he was what kind of i frantic thought frantic the whole time yeah but some I, of it seemed a little stilted to me to me it seemed like he was um he was dealing with something that was like a dream slash nightmare come true this mm-hmm. was like exactly the type of thing that he could work out 
but also he's in the middle of uh, just absolute like wiping out of this town so yeah. like i i feel like that's what he's trying to convey is just like this excitement that he's trying to hold back because he's coming across as too excited which happens like right after uh laurel ann dies where he's just like super excited but he's also like oh it's terrible it's terrible but he's like yeah real excited yeah because yeah. he feels like he's figured it out it's I, like a good scientist reaction to stuff yeah. being like i'm excited about this information it, it is fucked up what happened but yes, i'm excited yeah. <laughs> yeah i i think yeah i think that uh ken loney uh rick roberts uh he, just his because, you know, we don't get to see him at all, so it's only mm, a nope. vocal performance. And he does a great job of portraying oh, this, man. like, very scared guy. Who d- when he's, like, in the silo. But we also yeah. get to hear oh. him, yeah, as his, you know, fake guy in a chopper voice, where he sounds very much like any typical weather guy yeah. on your local radio station. Uh-huh. But then it gets real. And you it really does, And real yeah. voice in that situation. He does a really good job, too. Yeah. Uh, Laurel Ann, she did a great job. I, uh... I enjoy that they kind of gave us this fake out with her being the former soldier who like right. did some tours in Afghanistan. Like in any other zombie movie, she's the one that's going to be the one that's strapped and kicking down doors and doing right. headshots and keeping our protagonist safe. Uh-huh. That's a fake out for this movie. That does not happen. <laughs> no, no. She gets infected about halfway through and just... Yeah, it it gets it that bit gets gory and brutal, and then of course, yeah, dude. not long after that, uh, Farage from the 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 family that came in before this little girl in brown face gets uh, kicked to death by part. It, it is it. I I really feel like in some ways it's a comedic scene, or at the very least, I'm terrible, but. It, it feels like it was shot almost comedically by only showing their faces, which is yeah. clearly not to show a child get kicked to death. Clearly. Sure. But it also yeah. comes across a little funny. Dude, there's some weird stuff going on in that scene. I'm glad you brought that particular scene up because like the, the part where they're walking up the stairs, it's Sydney and Grant. They're walking up the stairs to try to leave. And they don't realize that just sitting in a chair behind the sort of wall that's uh, beside the staircase, the camera pans out and we see that girl sitting in the chair. Yeah. And you're like, oh, fuck. And she's got like blood on her mouth and shit. So you know she's already infected. And Uh I assume killed her family she was with, right? I I assume there, yeah, she's the last surviving member, I would guess. Yeah. There's a weird beat there where the little girl tackles Sydney and. Then Grant throws her off, throws her against that wall. And then we get that shot of Grant where he's like, don't come after her, come after me. And he sort of dives in to begin the kicking apart. Uh-huh. He sort of vanishes off camera. Yeah. Did you notice this? Uh-huh, he does. And, and there's like a bass drop in the soundtrack, almost as if it was made to acknowledge it. Like, it didn't feel uh-huh. like he jumped out of frame. It feels like they they vanished him out of frame. Mm -hmm. And like Kate was pointing out, she's like, I think it's for this effect where, you know, it has his like friendly radio personality poster on the wall back there. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you're seeing his like aggressive, intense, I got to kill this kid face in the foreground. And then he jumps out of frame and it's like friendly radio face in the background. It's kind Uh of, again, the image versus the real thing, sort of like what we're talking about, but it's such an odd beat where he, he vanishes out of frame and then the camera sits there Mm -hmm. for at least two or three seconds what's up with the vanish i i mean i think that that's possible i mean but also it it, it feels to me like because right after that 
he, uh, he says that she she killed the kid. I I feel like it's it's a trauma moment. Like it is it's mm. it he can't fully em, it, experience it in a way. Like he, he just kind of has to disappear in his own head. Wow. Um, but yeah, I, I that that was a very strange moment. That's I mean that's the moment that tears them apart. Really, it's like they they then go into that little closet of electronics and she starts writing out her confession about killing this that's kid sad. and stuff like yeah, yeah it's real sad girl, i'm sorry like yeah. that's fucked man that's grim shit yeah and i i think yeah it's it's just and he he does become obsessed in a way uh, uh with um feeling like he's fixing it so he's like listening over and over and over to that BBC guy who like he he talked to early on about what was going on like there might be a hidden message in there to fix everything. And then he comes up with this solution to change the meanings of words and, and all that stuff. And then he's, you know, having this like euphoric moment and the music it, that's playing is telling us like this is fixing everything it's almost but, comically heroic yeah soundtrack right there yeah but it doesn't fix everything and they die <laughs> so like <laughs> it, it's it's i i feel like that moment when they kill that kid they both are gone they're lost at that point mm. like it doesn't matter if they were to survive it they they can't deal with what they've it's kind of like it's kind of like what you're saying earlier too about the you know sometimes you, your, your rhetoric can gain a mind and a power of its own like right yeah he he's able to fix this person that's right there in front of him mm-hmm. one-on-one and he can yeah. say kill means kiss and he uh-huh. can smooth it over yeah but to the to the thousands of people outside the glass that he can't look in the eyes and help one-on-one the toothpaste is out of the tube the rhetoric has already taken control can't be uh-huh. fixed it's yeah too late so let me tell you about the radio play ending. If okay. you just want to get a, a real depressing ending. <laughs> oh shit! So <laughs> they're in that little closet or whatever. Uh, you know, they're in that same sort of moment. I, I'm not really sure that they're in the closet because it is a radio play, so it's all done as though they're in the 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 booth. I assume. Cool. But uh, so Grant tries to convince Sydney that kill means kiss. And she asked Grant to kiss her, meaning kill her. Kill her, yeah. Yeah, so he does. Um, Or at least that's implied. Uh, And then, (laughs) because he then starts to repeat the word paper at the end. So he is infected. Um, But it ends with him saying, trap. So maybe he cured himself. It's got that good, you know, ooh, what does that mean? Maybe, maybe not. Yeah. yeah uh-huh. But yeah, that darkness, I think, because like if he did cure her, which we see in the movie, the way that that plays out, it, theoretically, he could have cured other people with this idea. And unfortunately, he gets killed. It's like this, just this real sad moment where the attempt to get rid 
of this virus by just killing everyone infected by it uh, actually leads to the solution to the infection disappearing because these, these people die. Yeah. Uh, which then, with the stuff that we hear over the the you know final credits, there's all this like talk about what just happened and everything. And the last, I love that. yeah, the last person to talk starts repeating repeating Pontypool at the end. Yeah, dude. So you know yeah. it's escaped containment, but they don't have any solution. So everybody else is talking about it like, oh, that that crazy killing spree that happened in Pontypool. It right. used to be isolated. This hasn't spread. It just happened in this fucked up little town. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And then like you said, the one guy starts repeating the word and it's like, fuck, it's spreading. It's yeah. not just a small uh-huh. town. God, that- dude. Then you got that weird little coda at the end. That weird little stinger, man. I didn't remember this. Maybe I didn't cool. watch this the first time that I watched it. Because Kate and I were both like, do you remember this? Because I don't fucking remember this at all. Uh, it is wackadoo, man. It is. It is. Yeah, they're, they're just... It's it's just, uh, you know, Stephen McCaddy and Lisa Hewell being very cute together as uh, Johnny Dead Eyes and, and Lisa the Killer. Uh, but... It it has this like interesting element to it because one the question is why is it there obviously right like mm-hmm. what's the point of this um and to me in some ways it is it is meant to give us a couple things one it gives us a, a, a nice little feeling at the end because we did like these two uh, and to just have this like oh well what if they did drive off together what if they did escape this let's just imagine that's what happened and that's that's a fun interesting thing in a movie that's about meaning and about like you know reality and and just how much we can reflect reflect reality and meaning through words but also (laughs) for some reason there is a spinoff of johnny dead eyes that came out in 2019 huh yeah is it so, by the same people yeah uh-huh yeah it, it's uh, it's called dreamland came out in 2019 i have not seen it i do i need to watch it but i i feel like in some ways what it does is just it, it's almost like a, a wink and a nod like you like these characters maybe they come back but also i feel like it is like dream fulfillment in a way like this is what this is what uh grant mazzy thought he was gonna get out of that little speech like he was gonna cure everything Mm. and he and and sydney were gonna run off together yeah well she's obviously like i I don't know like if that is supposed to still be sydney at the end she's not really acting like sydney she's like all Uh, lovey-dovey and like yeah just like yeah uh what's the word i'm looking for she's just kind of like looking at him like she's yeah, super kinda lovey-dovey doe-eyed toward him yeah and doe-eyed, he, yeah yeah and that's why i say it's like his fantasy of what happened like that's that's what he imagines Always confusing man yeah it is uh-huh. a weird it is it beat. is odd like, yeah <laughs> i didn't know if this was just like some kind of be real improv that these two did together and they just put it on <laughs> here as a goof but then i'm like why does it look like it's maybe in china or somewhere i know right it's so yeah. confusing <laughs> and, and maybe that's the point like maybe ending with you being confused is absolutely intentional yeah um mm-hmm. or maybe it was a teaser for some other stuff because apparently he envisioned like two other sequels for this yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, bruce mcdonald and and tony burgess have been 
you know, developing or talking about uh, sequels to this over and over and over since then. Uh, there have been like you know announcements for releases in like 2010, then 2013, then 2019. Like they they want to make something more, and they got to make Dreamland. But they they envisioned two more movies, so I I kind of am interested in in what that would be. I know they uh, have said that there would be some more like exposition and a little bit of explaining some things, maybe, which I don't necessarily need. No. But uh, I I would be interested in seeing more from those two. Hmm. You know, one thing I'm interested in. Okay, let's hear it. Is finding out. If there was any intention for this to be a reinterpretation of a Christmas Carol, <laughs> okay, all right, all right. So I mean, huh. follow me here. Like, okay. is this not about a big shot, arrogant guy who sees the effects of his actions? Mm, He's visited okay. by by three ghosts of sorts. Is he not throughout the course of this story? Okay, yeah, yeah, he is. Uh, so <laughs> Laurel Land definitely. Farage. Um, uh huh. Who else were we we got there? Oh, I guess I guess we could say that uh, the the doctor exactly is, is kind. Of, yeah, he comes in through the window and uh, he's kind know. of the ghost of Christmas present. He's yeah, telling yeah. what's going uh-huh. on right now. Yeah, you know? okay. And he learns the error of his ways. Also, <laughs> the entire thing could just be a dream that he had. We don't know what he got fired from his old job for. That's true. Yeah, we don't. Like, this entire experience could be him having a dream going, again, what if he got fired for some kind of horrible stuff his rhetoric uh, inspired, and he has some kind of dream about it? What if my words really were taking power? Okay. Who knows? Okay. Uh, I also think it's... a goose for everyone. Oh, yeah, he does say that. That part at the end, I was like... That's that's odd, but now that you put it in context, I, I understand why he had a cooked goose. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, there's something interesting. Laurel Ann says bef- right before she starts showing the signs of the sim- uh, the symptoms of the the virus, uh, she says, "I think it's a situation I brought back in my head." Yeah, what so was that? She's, she's talking about PTSD, and he also says that uh, he quotes Roland Barth and says that, that trauma is a, a newspaper uh, uh, is, a, is a newspaper picture without a caption. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's some, there's some elements about trauma in here. And then the two of them are dealing with the trauma of having to see Laurel Ann uh, die and then having to kill Farage. There's a lot going on with trauma. And I, I think the fact that you just said dream does make me think about how many different elements are kind of dream like and who is having the dream cuz mm-hmm. yeah. you say you say grant i say maybe it's laurel ann hmm. cuz i i don't know about you but i have dreams all the time where i'm not in them where i'm sure. watching mm-hmm. stuff happen so like yeah. the last half of her dream uh, you know, could be, could be everything that happens after she dies or whatever. You know what I'm saying? But, she kind of snaps into military mode really fast too. She does. There's, yeah. There's the horde outside. And she goes, "We have an enemy." Out yeah. Front. Yeah. Like he's right back in it. 
Yeah, and it, it, that's what I'm saying. It's like there's so many elements that seem potentially triggering to her. The, mm-hmm. the people in brown face and a guy dressed like Osama bin Laden. Like, if she was fighting in Shit, Afghanistan. I didn't even think like, about that. Yeah, how would that not be somewhat triggering in some way? Yeah. Um, hmm. Yeah, but yeah, there 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 is a dreamlike quality to it uh, uh, that it doesn't get, like, into Lynch territory, but there's there's certainly a dreamlike quality to it that, that I had not considered until you just said maybe it's a dream. <laughs> like, maybe hmm. it is a dream. Maybe this is really just uh, somewhat... Because then that would make all the sort of disjointed elements make all the sense in the world because your dreams are disjointed. Yeah. Man, alive, yeah. dude. It is so fucking cool. It is just so much yeah, cooler than it really has any right to be. And it doesn't it doesn't show us much gore, even though this entire town is apparently, mm-hmm. you know, turning on itself yeah. and we're having yeah. fucking dude, the the audio descriptions of yes. that kid who like beat his limbs down to nubs trying to get into that place. Yeah. And he's like, Oh, I can see him now. There's not limbs, it's just it's just nubs. The like, implication fuck of what like him doing the baby voice means yeah. that the last thing he heard was a baby Fuck, crying I didn't for even help think about yeah. that so he oh, may he have killed a baby. a baby yeah he probably fat bastard style ate a baby <laughs> oh shit dude that's one thing that I, I think is so cool about this the way that people usually just get hooked on whatever that last sound they heard was how they describe how the people jumping on that car they were all making the sound of windshield wipers and then Uh dude when we get to see it ourselves whenever sydney has that that tea kettle on and it's whistling uh uh, uh, goes around the corner and she starts making the kettle noise oh it's so creepy and she like looks back at the kettle like i thought i turned this off and you realize Uh kettle's not making that noise. Uh (laughs) fuck that's such a cool reveal man yeah yeah, I agree. This, yeah, it, you know, now that I think about it, there, uh, I feel like their responses are probably pretty true to life. Once everything's going and they see Laurel Ann get infected, it's like, yeah, this seemed inevitable. Like, yeah. but there is a connection between Sydney and Laurel Ann, and she doesn't seem as devastated by it as she should be. And I feel like that's just so much has happened at this point yeah. that yeah i kind of expect that we're all gonna die uh you know and she seems kind of resolved to it another touch in there that i really like that i caught this time around too that i'm sure i didn't notice the first time because there's just so much chaos happening there towards the end of the movie but if you listen close you'll even get the impression that the people that are out there working with the government that are in tanks and helicopters and whatever just blowing the shit up uh-huh. of, you know blowing the shit out of everything uh, they're also infected. Did you yes. notice how, like, over the tank loudspeaker, they're just repeating the message that Sydney left outside? This is like uh, whatever her name is, Sid- Sydney Barnett, or whatever her last name mm-hmm. is, is still alive. Sydney Barnett's still Sydney alive. Sydney Briar. Uh-huh. Briar is still uh-huh. alive. That's it. And, like, over the intercom over the tank, you can hear Sydney Briar is still alive. Sydney Briar uh-huh. is still alive. Like, they're, they've got infected by that, too. Yeah. And they're the ones blowing everybody up. Uh huh. Yeah. It's it it really is like just a clusterfuck, right? And it, it's it's yeah. exactly what you would expect from this type of situation. Oh, knowing we've seen it. What we know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, how many times have we seen where 
the mere act of reporting on an act of violence inspires more acts of violence. Inspires yeah. Yeah. copycat killers, inspires more... Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I know it's really, really grim, but like, I know that in the wake of all the publicity of like Columbine, there were so many more school shooters because we... We capitalized on it in the news. We gave it tons of attention. So there's also kind of that dilemma that the media has in this. There's a part where, you know, it's like if we talk about this, more people are going to get infected. And he's like, yeah, but we have to let people know about this. What do you do? Yeah, what do you do? Yeah, it does does seem that the, the fact is, unfortunately, that humans are easier to go to violence than to peace right yeah and that's that's the 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 nihilistic fuel yeah that's the nihilistic standpoint of the movie and and i i think i i can't fully disagree with it that that Mm -mm. yeah it's so much easier to cause hate than it is to cause love (laughs) unfortunately man yeah all that social media unethical social media is thriving off of um yeah that's a to- whole other topic, but I yearn for the days yeah. of ethical social media. I think that we're going to see, hopefully, a rise of that sometime um, right. <laughs> within our lifetime. Social media that's actually there to make the world better and not just get you addicted to staring at a fucking screen. That's a topic for another time entirely, right. though. sure is. Yeah. Not much gore or anything in this, but what we get is fucking good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, the Laurel Ann stuff. Like, she bites into that, like, electrical cord, I guess. Love that. And Love her, that. her mouth is all jacked up. And it's almost like it partially explodes her mouth out yeah, or something. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, that, that's really good. And, yeah, her, her running into the the glass and just blood splattering everywhere. So just good. puking yeah. blood everywhere after Ugh. the virus has run its Ugh. course. It's Brutal. like a blood geyser. It's like all her yeah. guts are just exploding out of her mouth. Uh-huh. And it's very... <laughs> It's so unexpected because you're watching her just like we are, where you're like, I'm I'm looking at patient zero here. I don't know what's going to happen. What happens yeah. when she just, you know, runs into this wall long enough? What happens when she can't get to us? She's hunting us, but she can't quite get to us right. to find a host. What happens? Like, we don't know. Neither do they. So, like, they're just as surprised as we are when this blood geyser and the doctor also kind of gets excited about it. He's like, I've never seen anything like that. It's incredible. Yeah. He also a real interesting element where, uh, uh, Grant asks, can they read lips? Yeah. And that's just such an interesting element to consider about language is that language doesn't even necessarily need the vocalization to convey meaning. If someone True, can yeah. read lips. Yeah, symbols are symbols. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. Any symbol yeah. can convey meaning, you know? Uh-huh. Words are just air symbols is what they are. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. like, yeah, that, uh, I, it, it doesn't get resolved and it doesn't go anywhere. The doctor just says, oh, that's interesting. I don't know. Can they read lips? <laughs> yeah. That. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man, it's so cool. Do you think that Grant started the entire thing? Because I do, yeah. Mm-hmm. One thing that I was noticing in this is that it starts with that that opening monologue where uh-huh. he is kind of doing the wordplay thing. This word means this. This word means this. He uses the term honey a bunch of times, yeah. which, of course, is a term of endearment, which they, mm-hmm. they later warn against because all yeah. terms of endearment are kind of a a word change, you know? Yeah. Sweetheart, mm-hmm. honey, yeah, beer, absolutely. sugar. Yeah, yeah like, it's a these metaphor. Are all, yeah. They, yeah, these are all metaphors, you uh-huh. know? 
Yeah, I, uh, I think and, so. And it gets worse when they replay the tape. They have some dead air later yes. on. And they replay that tape. Yeah, it gets so much worse. He and they talk about how people are carrying the 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 poster. The oh, that lost was cool poster. too. Yeah. yeah, like yeah, I think that's it. That that moment, like that that breaking down of language, that deconstruction. And that showing of like just nothing meaning anything. I mean, the, the mixture of French and English is is a, a reference to Jacques Derrida's uh, deference. Like it, it's it's about like uh, how you know a word can can have meaning, um, but it can sound like another word which has a different meaning. But those two meanings can have a you know little intersection moment and then they can also mean nothing because of that like the way that he breaks down like uh you know uh, uh piscine and colette and all these things into their english equivalents and brings it back to this french name for a town like he's deconstructing language very much like derrida and and i think like that that is like the whole way that this virus gets going because these people speak in a very insular way and this has sparked something in them where now nothing means anything the language the logic the meaning is all getting very muddy because Uh of this yeah Uh, it's also so sad whenever we have (laughs) some of these scenes where you can see people losing the meaning of their words even in that scene with the brown face kids and they sing the song and the little girl's like i can't remember how it ends i can't yeah i can't remember how it ends like it's so it's fucking sad it makes you think it about is. people with alzheimer's and dementia it's yeah very, and that, like crushing that also is a quote i, I wanted to talk about uh from a, an interview of uh tony burgess where he he at the end says the zombies i see now are in the mirror you get older and you start to eat your own brain. And oh god. I I had to think that through and I think it's just so true like not only do you know, you know, you start to lose a little bit of cognitive plasticity and stuff like that. But also we start to eat our own brain, meaning we consume what our brain tells us that we've consumed before we just keep doing the same thing and keep getting the same result and keep thinking that we've you know done something different which is kind of what the final speech is about right where he's talking about like you know you've done the same thing it's just another day etc but it's not it's not just another day this day has been completely different than other days but the only way his mind can consume it can take in everything that's happened in the day is to say to himself everything's fine this is just a normal day nothing new has happened it's your brain just feeding the same thing back to you over and over and over for comfort's sake etc for all the different reasons why over time we just stop challenging ourselves to think i i mean the movie and and the guy uh who wrote the movie have a lot to say about metaphor and meaning and definition and and what it is that you know what it is that that we're doing with language um and i I very much enjoy that but at the same time as we've said that 
the tension throughout, the the sound design, the performances. It just all comes together for me. How can you not be yeah. into it? I don't, yeah. I don't get it, you know? Yeah, I um, agree. The ending is a complaint for a lot of people. And I uh-huh. know the first time that I watched this, uh, again, with Brandon back in the college days, uh-huh. and it gets to about the last 10 minutes of the movie where Grant is really trying to figure out the cure, and that's when he does right. the, you know, kill means kiss. Yeah. And then gets on the air, and they kind of do that, like, Tupperware, Naga Hide, bass guitar, <laughs> bricks. Like, they uh-huh. kind of do that sort of thing. I remember I was like, this is fucking silly. Like, this is, this got really silly out of nowhere. I, I didn't like the ending very much the first time. Uh-huh. I, I liked it much more the second time around. Okay. When I could see that they were just scrambling to try to put the toothpaste back in the tube. Yeah. And they were understanding the the power of changing words and changing what a word means and what a symbol means but then the absolute futility of thinking that you can fix that like what were they going to do yeah name every fucking word right yeah and it's yeah it it is that's why that like overly like triumphant music is playing like this is this is as you said them trying to put the toothpaste back in the tube like yeah it's not gonna work but they're so convinced themselves that it is going to work that the scene is being played very much the way they're feeling but then Mm -hmm. the movie helping yeah yeah the movie then delivers the final blow of no they're not helping (laughs) Mm -mm, (laughs) they're just gonna get exploded like everybody else how do you feel about the ending I like it. I, I I enjoy it. I think that it makes its its point that uh, you know lang- language has power while also being a terrible monster that can create uh, a lot of suffering. Yeah, can create yeah. monsters. You know? Yeah, uh-huh. and you might just think that words you're saying into a into a microphone might just be meaningless entertainment but yeah. in reality they are latching on and changing people's uh changing people's thought patterns changing yeah. people's beliefs yeah not you, everybody it'll affect yeah. some people more than others but it it does happen there's a when responsibility you, there when you put words out there you you risk people both misunderstanding you and understanding you like yeah mm. <laughs> and the the consequences the repercussions of that you can't control after that point yeah totally yeah. man absolutely i'm sure that i've had examples of that where something i might have carelessly said in like a youtube video sure. has gotten taken out of context absolutely like, I'm sure that I've had that exact same thing happen at mm-hmm. some point and been like, oh, shit, like I shouldn't have said that mm-hmm. uh, at some point, you know? Yeah, no, it happens to all of us. That's it. Yeah, that's exactly it. You know, you, you take a risk every time you open your mouth. But also, uh, you know, the idea that words only have power to destroy is is not exactly something i can get behind and i don't think the movie's fully behind that but i I think Mm -hmm. it does just want to portray that they do have that power oh yeah yeah and again really seeing the writing on the wall considering that when this was made Mm -hmm. we weren't nearly as drenched in social media right and (laughs) constantly receiving tweets and updates and everything else from our phones 24 7 to people just opening their mouths and saying whatever they want to without any repercussions yeah uh, man, this movie really <laughs> saw it coming, didn't they? <laughs> it did. It sure did. 
Also a Valentine's movie. Aww. It is a Valentine's movie. That really never stuck with me until this time. But yeah, he brought Valentine's for uh, Laurel Ann and Sydney. So uh, yeah, add that to the list. Next time, next Valentine's Day, after you watch My Bloody Valentine, you could be like, oh, watch Pontypool. Double feature. How there about you go. it? Uh-huh. Damn, man. I want to see this as a stage play so bad. I want somebody to do yeah, like a five-person production of this. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I could I'd very much imagine that doing really well. Mm-hmm. It'd be intense. And being musical, too. Have musical numbers. Okay, now I'm it. Okay, now you got me. I want a Pawnee Pool musical. Kill like, means what? kiss. Oh, what bliss. <laughs> I'm writing it right now. We're kicking for rush. We're kicking for rush. <laughs> That's going to be a very percussive number right there. It'll be like stomp, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes, a stomp style song for the Farage cool. kick to death. <laughs> oh, man. Ooh, brutal, man. Yeah. Such a cool, unique movie. I can't really compare this to anything i can't think of anything that really has the same feel the same vibe and yeah i agree yeah it's not what i would think of as being perfect there's a little moments in there little bits of dialogue that i think are odd there's a few odd edits like that weird vanishing bit that i'm talking mm-hmm. about and it just kind of the camera just kind of sits there for a few seconds there's little mm-hmm. things that sort of momentarily take me out of it and then i'm like right back into it yeah uh, but man, it, it's a place I want to go to. Like, I want to go yeah. back to this movie and just soak For up sure. that vibe because I can't, I can't get it anywhere else. Yeah. What What would you rate it then? Give me a number. If I'm gonna, if I'm gonna use a word which represents a quantity, <laughs> yeah, it's getting into dangerous territory. It is. Uh, I think that's like an eight and a half for me, man. I okay, really like yeah. this movie a lot. I, I think that level of intensity that it keeps and that it keeps up throughout. Like there's yeah. really the only the only break from the action is when we get that really stark black and white montage of all the obituaries that he's reading. Oh yeah, that yeah, that that uh but it's like it it slows it down but it makes it real. <laughs> so it's yeah, not it even like it messes with the pace, yeah. And that's even him having to put faces to the victims right. of what he started, you know? Uh-huh. Like, yeah. imagine, you know, imagine Alex Jones or somebody having to read obits uh, yeah. from people who died as a result of crazy shit that he's put onto the airwaves, right. you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I, th- I think uh, that is right on. Uh, I was going to say eight and a half to nine for me. Yeah. I, I love this movie. Really just enjoy, like breaking down exactly what it's getting at while also understanding that uh breaking it down is entirely unnecessary for enjoying the film you don't need to know what's going on in fact walking away confused is probably the best way to walk away from this movie (laughs) yeah i mean that's definitely the way it was when i watched it the first time the first time that i watched it i walked away like what the fuck was that about yeah and i think it you know i I had pondered what it was about until i watched it again uh yesterday you know Uh that first impression really stuck with me for a long time and i was really wanting to go back and watch it again to hope that i could get more out of it and i I got a hell of a lot more enjoyment out of it i never get to ask you like what was it like for you the first time that you watched this movie? I mean, same as you. Like, I was very, I was very into it. I was a little mystified by what was going on. I I did like see you know because uh, I, I I think this I watched this in grad school. So like yeah, I was yeah. like 
in the midst of, of doing a lot of like uh, deconstruction and stuff. And I, I, I saw those elements. I was really interested, but like the stuff that stood out to me was how, you know, as you said, not it's, it's a, it's a one location and it maintains tension throughout. And that's hard yeah. to do. <laughs> that's so really hard, hard to do, to do man. Yeah. And, and without interjecting stuff happening in other scenes and other locations without injecting, much at all like romance or levity right yeah it's just a a slowly rising kettle the entire yeah. movie yeah and then Fuck, it, man. yeah once it goes off whoo buddy has the director done other stuff oh yeah lots of other stuff he, yeah. he in fact uh uh i'm very interested now in, in watching more of his stuff because I, I just realized i i hadn't ever sought out any of his his other movies but he mm-hmm. directed a movie called hardcore logo which is like a, a mockumentary about like the punk scene oh sick and it, it's considered by some to be one of the best things to come out of canada best films to come out of canada so hmm. definitely interested in checking that out and dreamland the, the spin-off okay, sequel yeah, to yeah. this yeah interesting yeah i'll definitely check that out because this is obviously made by very capable hands yeah yeah absolutely yeah well shot sure. just super well shot agree man well we want to know your all thoughts about this one over on the facebook group that's a place where you guys can hang out talk amongst yourselves chat up with the boys you want to chat with the boys right mm-hmm. I, them I, boys i we're we are dim boys and you need we, to we chat got that dog us. in us you know what i mean <laughs> that's we got true. that dog in us that's can't true. help it in the sense that I, I need to sleep about 16 hours a day. Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so hang out with us on there and also follow us on all of our other social media outlets like Instagram, all that other good stuff. Find us using our Linktree page. That's right. Linktree, uh, forward slash dead and lovely. Also head on over to our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash dead and lovely. Uh, become a patron on any level. You get access to our Patreon exclusive episodes hell rankers specifically we got critters coming out this month we're doing the critters Ooh. franchise uh which i'm excited to do and uh also if you uh, put that's right if you become a five dollar patron uh you get to throw a movie into the smoking bowl and then once a month we draw from the smoking bowl and cover that movie on the show it's a blast yeah damn right so be sure to do that and uh, help support the show wherever you can give us dollar papers which mm-hmm. are just symbols of your uh your value of something absolutely yeah. that's what they are yeah because they're not backed by gold that's for <laughs> fucking sure yeah that is the truth i they used to be that yeah but and now. even gold is just a symbol of value. It's just valuable because it's Yeah, scarce. exactly. Yeah, I was going to say. It's I don't not really that scarce. Either, gold helps you know? all that much, yeah. No, and it's <laughs> definitely not all that useful. Uh, no, no. Mm, well, that's good for circuits. Give us your money. <laughs> give us your money. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, tune in next time, man. I'm excited to talk about next week's movie. It's one that came recommended to me by the bass player in my hair metal tribute band skank banger oh yeah uh old blackie rose man this is one of blackie rose's favorite flicks that he said he watched a bunch when he was a kinder kid and it scared the damn sheets out of him what do we got (laughs) uh it's a a little movie from 1978 called magic starring anthony hopkins yes man Mm -hmm. something about a ventriloquist i think that's all that i know about it yeah i I don't want to reveal too much Uh, i watched it uh, last year in 2020 mm-hmm. and three 
and uh, very much enjoyed it, and I'm excited to talk about it. But yeah, I don't want to tell you too much. There, but okay. there is obviously there is a dummy. It's on the it's on the cover. <laughs> All right. So what should we do for uh, preview pals? Is like dumbest dummies. Ooh. Okay. Dumbest dummies. Yeah. All right. All right. So every every one of those that uh, Jeff Dunham has. Yes, those are yeah. very, very and dumb. racist. Yeah. Those and very racist. How, how yeah. much fun! Oh They're my wearing God. the dumbness on the outside for sure. Yeah, they'll definitely make the list. We'll have to uh, to narrow it down there yeah. for the next installment of Dumbest Dead and Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> we'll catch you guys in. I've been Uncle Ben. I've been Hollywood Steve. And watch your words. Ooh, <laughs> ooh, whoa. ooh, deep. Bye. 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 Oh no, he's stuck. Bye. Um, buy means yogurt. Buy means yogurt. Yogurt. Buy means yogurt. 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 It's working. <laughs> Butster Radio. Hey, everybody, it's me, the Butster. I'm here to talk to you about the issues of the day. That's right. I'm talking about trans women in sports. And you know oh, me. Oh, no. It's the butster talking about that. You can't talk about this. I can talk about producer. whatever I want. You don't tell me what to do, right, producer. Uh, All right. Go ahead. They're here. Okay. Listen. We're going to get controversial. Maybe going to get canceled here. But what I say is... What are trans women doing playing sports? They should be barefoot and in the kitchen, just full to the gills with baby batter. Oh, my God. Phones are going to be ringing off the hook, Butster. You're, you're doing it to us again. I'm telling you, if you disagree with me, you call in and let me know. But I'll tell you what, no trans woman's going to be playing sports at my house. All right?